0: hey there patrons welcome to your bonus podcast episode 302 with john oberg oh i loved the interview so much the main one uh, if you didn't check it out you could find it at mikeypod.com or in all your podcast directories wherever you listen to podcasts i got so much out of this and john and i have been having a kind of back and forth um just about promoting the podcast so i made some cool video stuff um that i've been using a promote the podcast this weekend. It's making me feel amped up. So I'm very excited about that. Um, another thing I want to check in about is that this weekend, I'm going to be doing some work with Kaporo. So if you've followed my work for a long time, or you're an animal rights activist, especially in New York City, you know about this ritual that happens um, in small... I always want to emphasize it's um, sm- like ultra-Orthodox Jewish people um, in s- certain sects, but there are a lot of people <laughs> do this ritual with chickens. Um, it's horrific and I avoided it last year. There are a lot of things that have been happening with me in my connection with various, ugh, I don't even want to get into it. Um, but there's a lot that has me feeling like, uh, I, I think traumatized is over speaking it. Um, but there's a lot that's happening with the vegan community that has, has me wanting to avoid it, but I found a way to help out in a very, it's actually a kind of big way, um, but also behind the scenes and away from like extremely traumatizing ritual of Kaporos, which is horrifying. Um, and in a way I'm going to be helping with rescued chickens like directly this weekend, Um, so I'm super excited about that and it's something that I think I'm going to do some videoing and, uh, that type of thing about. So I, I I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like talking about this, but I also want to do it in a safe place. Um, so I'm very happy because like, yeah, it's been really hard. It's hard to do Kaporos and can, can we talk about the fact that it's a lot harder for the chickens? Like that's not lost on me. Um, Going out there is rough um, for the vigils and the protests and things that happen, um, it, but it also feels very rough to look on social media and see my activist friends out there, and I'm not. So... um this has been an interesting sort of shift. Um, Maybe I I may write like a post about it on Patreon too. Um, I always forget this is kind of like a safe space (laughs) because people are subscribed. Um, So I hope you remember that too. And you can talk about anything you want in Patreon on those posts. Like, uh, yeah, anyway, so the good news excitement is I have this interview with you with uh, John Oberg, and he was so fun to talk to. And um, this actually was his idea. We did a, Q&A back and forth where we asked each other questions. And there's a video of this too. Um, I think I'll upload it privately on Vimeo and I'll tag it here. Um, And (laughs) because John had the idea to do, I always do Skype interviews, just audio, Um, but it was kind of cool to have that video um, so I can now use it to promo the show. So I may be doing more of that. Anyway, I, I think I'm doing a lot of speculating and talking here and what I should be doing is sharing this interview with you. So here it is. Hey, patrons, welcome to your bonus podcast. Joan, uh, Joan, John Hoberg is here with me. Hey, John. Hey, Michael. Happy Uh, to be here. Yeah. uh, Thanks for doing this bonus podcast. We were just throwing around ideas because I talked about everything that I was going to do on the bonus podcast. And John had the idea of like sending, throwing questions back and forth at each other. Um, So we're both on the spot for answers and questions. uh, So we don't know where this is going (laughs) to (laughs) go. Yeah do you Excited. want do you want to go first, or should I go first?
1: Well, first of all, I just want to say maybe you can ask a question first, but I just want to say uh, to all the patrons out there who are listening to this, super awesome of you to support this podcast uh, and Michael's work. Um, it's you know Michael does great work to uh, reduce suffering, to create a kinder world, to create a better world. And that work wouldn't be possible without without the support of patrons like you. So you know on behalf of Michael, I just I just want to say thank you to you, uh, and I'm particularly, you know, interested in this and and uh, and familiar with this because I also have a Patreon account, um, and I'm so grateful every each and every day for my patrons who support my work. So um, so big shout out to the patrons out there making this stuff happen.
0: Yeah, agreed. let I I say it so much. I love Patreon. It's such a cool idea, and I think it's. There's so many little things that happen with me putting the podcast together or any of the different kind of work that I have to do when that cost money, like the hosting and stuff like that. And before Patreon, I was always like, what? Should I really be paying for hosting for this? Like, does this matter? Now it's like, okay, these people say it matters. So I better, like, get my backup working or, you know, whatever else it is. So it's really cool. All right. so our questions, I, I feel like my first idea is not too exciting. Um, favorite. Well, let's just say favorite, favorite meal, like your very favorite, like comfort meal.
1: So uh, what I, I would say that I am a terrible cook. Uh, I, you know, I've been vegan for 10 years. Um, so a lot of people think that, oh, that means you must cook a lot. I don't. Uh, but there's one meal that I make really well, and that is vegan mac and cheese. And I, I basically took a recipe from uh, Daiya Vegan Cheese um, and kind of changed it up. I kind of always do some like mix and take my own take on it. And it's awesome. It's, it's the best comfort food. I only make it once every few months. But when I do, uh, I eat that whole pan in maybe like a day or two.
0: Ah, uh, so good. Like, I love mac and cheese even more than I did before I was vegan.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that's awesome. That's that's great. It's funny. There's a lot of foods that I never really. I was. It's ironic. Before becoming vegan, I was actually a pretty picky eater, um, but like there's food now that I've had and I love that I actually had never eaten when I was pr- not a vegan. So it's it's kind of kind of weird. So yeah, um, cool. All right, now I'll ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so why why have you chosen Brooklyn Brooklyn to live in? Oh.
0: Oh man, um, I I think it's goes all the way back to Sesame Street. <laughs> you <laughs> really? know, like yeah, those Blabber. scenes, those scenes in on the street. Like it's based on like Brooklyn, New York City neighborhoods with the brownstones and everything. I as a kid, I was like, that's so cool. I want to live in a place like that. And. Um, yeah. So, and my sister, my sister moved here before I did. Like I live in the same, she doesn't, well, she lives, it's a long story. She lives part-time in this neighborhood too. Um, but yeah, I discovered the neighborhood I live in. I moved in with my sister and her uh, husband when I got to New York the first time from Texas. Um, so I had like a landing ground, but New York City just has always been really appealing to me. And um, and it, it paid off. It's a really good place for me to be like an artist and do the type of like kind of catch all type of work that I do
1: awesome I love it I love Brooklyn uh I think that Brooklyn Brooklyn's got one of the best vegan restaurants in the country champs diner oh, uh, so that's so, uh, so very cool
0: yeah um so you're in Richmond Virginia I don't want to be a copy I whenever I talk to vegans I'm always like oh copycat is that uh speciesist phrase
1: <laughs> <laughs> i i am i'm one of the vegans out there who think that you know it's important for us to 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 talk and be as normal as possible and sometimes if you're using phrases like that that um maybe are maybe in a technical s- definition of speciesist i think that it's a net positive to use them because we're able to relate to people so i am all for using copycat michael
0: uh, thanks, and I hope you're also from okay with me being a copycat, So I'm going to ask why um, why Richmond, Virginia.
1: Or yeah, good pe- question.
0: People know uh, you live there, right? All of a sudden, I was like, wait, am I giving away <laughs> personal <laughs> no. information?
1: No, no, Richmond, Virginia is where I live, and, uh, and I really like it a lot. Um, so the reason I'm here is that my girlfriend and I, uh, we chose to move here from D.C. area. Uh, she works for uh, the Humane Society of the United States. And they're based in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and uh, and so she was working out of the office for a long time, and so we lived in that area. And then uh, her job became remote, and so we could choose to live anywhere in the country. Uh, her family uh, lives in the DC area, and so we thought let's be close enough that we're in driving distance, but far enough away that we're not paying that DC prices. Um, and fortunately, about two hours from DC is Richmond, Virginia, which is a really cool, young, up and coming city with lots of great vegan food, great community, uh, very progressive place. Uh, we really like it a lot. So we moved here in November, uh, which is when it started getting cold. And then by the time it started warming up, you know, everything shut down around the country and in Richmond uh, because of the pandemic. And so we really haven't gotten to experience Richmond as much as we would love to, uh, but what we have experienced so far, we absolutely love.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've mentioned between our, our sessions that, that I'll probably be going there at Thanksgiving. So I'm looking forward to experiencing, yeah, the city of Richmond, especially knowing that there's good vegan stuff there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a really, really cool place, lots of really great areas. Um, and I would love to, to show you around town when you are, when you're out here, if the, the time allows us.
0: So. Yeah. Uh, all right. You got another question? Yep.
1: Yeah. So I would love to ask you who has been your favorite guest on the podcast. And if you can't narrow it down, just like one of your favorite guests,
0: um, um hmm.
1: have
0: you- yes. I talked to, I've, well, I'll, I'm going to not include you in the possible choices just to make sure.
1: <laughs> OK,
0: <laughs> there's a guy named Millard Fuller who um, for uh, I should, I'll, I'll try to make this as short as possible. Part of, When I left Houston, I moved uh, and I was moving to New York. I stopped off at this intentional community in Georgia uh, called Koinonia, and it's the birthplace of Habitat for Humanity. Where, like, the whole idea of Habitat for Humanity started on either side of it. There were the original, like, Habitat for Humanity houses where they weren't calling it that then. Um, But this guy, Millard Fuller, who is the official founder of Habitat for Humanity, still visited that place. Um, So he came and sat with me in this little, it was like, it's a commune, and he sat with me in this little, room that I had I had a little like Mike we were passing back and forth and he told me the whole story of his story is outrageously cool like he he was this Christian uh, millionaire and his he was a lawyer and his um, his wife was gonna leave him because uh, he was devoting all his time to his work and she didn't like that he went and found her they decided to rebuke all of his money. He was—they were going to find a place to live. He was going to give all his money away and devote his life to God, and then he wound up at this place where he was going to just stop by. He heard it was these weird hippies. It was—it uh, was the '60s, I think, when he got there. And he told his wife, "Like we'll just go and have lunch with this place. They want us to come visit, and then we'll leave." But then he just stayed. Like he and the guy that founded the commune became his mentor, and then. The rest is history. So it's a great, like, long two-part interview that I did with this guy. And it's a piece of history that I think is really important that a lot of people don't know about.
1: That's so cool. I've never heard that story before. uh, But I feel inspired. uh, And I love hearing the backstory behind, you know, great, great things like this. Yeah. That's Uh, cool. That's cool. Uh,
0: All right. I should – should I throw one more question? Then we will have each done – wait. No. Wait.
1: I'll ask you one and then – yeah i asked you
0: one and then wait that was mine and that, you asked you asked me one that you you asked the last one
1: <laughs> wait <laughs> right? no. oh i did yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yes yeah, i love it okay. this and then our, our special <laughs> patreon bonus content is when john and i get into a big fight about who asked the last <laughs> question
1: <laughs> that's your benefit guys
0: yeah uh okay so i gotta ask a question too um Well, I want to ask a fitness, a vegan fitness question because you're a powerlifter and like super fit. Um, I'm partly asking because I, in that world, sometimes quarantine like pulled the rug out from under it. Um, I I want to get inspired. (laughs) Tell me your fitness story. (laughs) Tell me like, how about like, was there something about um, being a powerlifter or weightlifter that that seemed like you couldn't attain it because you were vegan at first or did you always know?
1: So, uh, I, you know, went vegan, uh, t- 11 years ago now and best decision of my life. Um, and, uh, and about four years ago or so, I just wasn't super happy with the shape I was in. I wasn't in awful shape or anything, but I, I wanted to be in better shape. And I, so I was like, I know the gym is where I need to go. I know literally nothing else. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my I was actually living with uh, my roommates at the time in Los Angeles uh, were the Vegan Bros, who uh, a lot of people might know out there. They're social media influencers and, and animal activists. Uh, they taught me the ways of powerlifting, showed me how valuable this form of activism or form of exercise could really uh, create make me a lot stronger, a lot fitter, a lot bigger. And I found that to be really valuable, um, not only because I think that you know, it you know, feels nice to be better in better shape, but also to combat the vegan stereotype that we are all these like skinny, frail creatures. And uh, I think that there are a lot of vegan stereotypes that exist. And as effective vegan advocates, one of the things that we need to do is try and combat these stereotypes as much as we can, and to uh, and to make them uh, not exist. And so, uh, I've been working for the last four years as a powerlifting power lifter to get bigger and stronger over time. So, uh, my my deadlift is currently about uh, my my PR is like I think like five hundred and forty pounds, mm-hmm. um, which isn't like massive level, but it's it's pretty good. And uh, especially for just like a part-time uh, lifter. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy to share those numbers and talk to people about it because there is this myth that vegans can't be strong or can't be big. And you know, as effective vegan advocates, I think it's important to break that stereotype. Hmm,
0: love it. So if, if, if not for myself, I can go start working out again for the animals.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what more motivation do you need? Exactly. Oh, and, and if you need more motivation, when you lift heavy, you can also eat a little bit worse. So you know uh, you can feel more justified when you eat that vegan pizza or that you know that big uh, the vegan Philly cheesesteak from from uh, Champ's, Champs diner.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, all right, um, one more. Qu- I think one more question, then we will each ask the same number of questions, and we
1: can wrap okay. it up.
0: So sure. What-
1: so I would love to know why you or what you miss most about Houston.
0: Um like my friends is like a pretty that feels like a given. I think that is the thing I miss the most. Um I, there I, and I just noticed it cuz I just did a 300th episode of this podcast which I started in Houston and um and I was real I was reminiscing and I did an episode where I just talked about the history of it. There's like a a particular kind of um funky art under current in uh in houston that was really kind of magical and i don't know how to really explain it any more than that there's a band that i interviewed while I was there That's just like a real this band is called the black math experiment and uh and thinking about them, they were the first band that I inter- like. I invited them to my apartment. It was the same thing where I was just handing this microphone around. Um, there's a real like kind of uh, the I don't know the name for this energy because like it's Texas is a relatively conservative place. Although Houston is a big city and not as conservative, the there's a certain kind of like uh uh connection that all that artists have there that is like uh how oh, there's a word for this and i can't think of it but it's like the it's like you and me, like we it's us against like the man type yeah. of feeling so there's a cool like energy there with art that that i think is here too but that the, the it, it's a little more expected to be an artist in new york city than it is in houston i think that's part of it
1: yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I found that 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 mindset around when I was traveling for vegan outreach, going from college town to college town, I definitely found that mindset in a lot of places where uh, you might be surrounded by, you know, uh, very different people who think very differently from you. But it kind of gives you more motivation than if you just live in a city where you know every other person is an artist or every other person. Um, you know, like when I live in Los Angeles, you know, every other person is a model or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, a bodybuilder or an actor. Uh, and so, uh, it, it, takes away from the, uh, from the interesting aspect of it a little bit. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally get what you're saying about Houston. Love it.
0: Yeah. Uh, amazing. Okay. So this has been great. Uh, but I think we should wrap it up. We've been going, like, this has been an epic <laughs> conversation <laughs> of both parts. It's yeah. It's so good. Um, If you want, we, I can, I'm, I, we can cut this part out if we need to. Um, I can, once I edit the bonus podcast together, I could send it to you if you want to offer it to your patrons too. So you could put it up on your page. Yeah. Yeah. I like
1: that. I like that. Cool. Yeah. So
0: hi, John's patrons (laughs) (laughs) who will be hearing this. Yeah. So we'll put that all together and then, uh, yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Tag team, uh, patronage. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> all right. So uh, thanks so much for doing this. It was a great conversation both times. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this.
1: Thanks for thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for the great work that you're doing. And thanks to the listeners for making this uh, this podcast happen. And I'm hopefully excited to meet you when you're down here in Richmond in November.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. And thanks for all your work and all your patrons. And yeah, thanks for being a positive force in the world. It's really it's needed.
1: Likewise, Michael.